1: their
2: gods are all dead gods so they go to a guru he doesn't know anything it's all false it doesn't work and this sect of naked gurus is very common all over India when you go and have a one-on-one with them they're always naked it was just bizarre totally bizarre he knew nothing of Christianity and one day somebody gave him a tract and he began reading the tract now why would he read a tract from somebody he knew he didn't have any answers.
0: It's interesting. People who are really seeking the true God will go through lots of experiences during their search. Because God put in them the desire and need for a relationship with him, nothing short of coming to him will satisfy. Pastor Mark will be explaining where the Christ follower comes into this situation of helping the seeker find Jesus. You'll learn how being a follower of Jesus is going to challenge you. Jesus will push you to come into a closer relationship with him, which means you'll have to replace some of your dreams and hopes with the dreams and hopes he has for you. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Matthew chapter 28 as he continues with his series called "Led by the Holy Spirit."
1: Lord, let us hear your After Peter taught
2: and three thousand came, was he kind of bored, or do you think he was excited? Because he knew who did that it wasn't him; it was the Holy Spirit. He was ecstatic. This is fantastic. Hey, get the 1035 crowd in here, please. I'm ready. He was excited. That's what I want to leave you with. You and I are to do greater. But if we do greater with this kind of an attitude, I'm passing mine. I can't do greater. I can't even do normal. I don't have any power. I'm just waiting till Jesus comes. Take me home. Jesus, take them home, would you? Because they're useless here. So two words, greater, excited. If I can do greater for God, I should be excited. Am I going to have to move outside of the boundaries? Yes, but that's okay. That's why he left us here. Peter was way out of his comfort zone. But he was excited. Now, the history of the church proves this. In Acts 1 through 7, the church ministered in Jerusalem. In Acts 8 through 12, they moved to Judea and Samaria. In Acts 13 to 28, they moved to the ends of the earth. Paul's three missionary journeys. See, they followed through exactly what Jesus said. Now, there are other people that have done this through the years. I'm going to mention to you the Apostle Thomas. It's known as one of the first missionaries in the early church. After the day of Pentecost, the gospel began to spread all over the world. Now, I'm going to say this to you so you'll understand. According to tradition, I'm going to read you a lot of things that are tradition. And we can't prove all of these things, but I think it's very evident they're true, but I'm not going to say to you this is 100% true, because again, we're talking 2,000 years ago, but here, Thomas is traditionally believed to have sailed to India from Israel in AD 50 to 52 to spread the Christian faith. He went from Israel. He got the first nonstop plane from Israel (laughs) right to India. In the year A.D. 50, right? Can you imagine this is Thomas? Oh, by the way, what's the first thing that comes in your mind when you hear the Apostle Thomas? Doubting Thomas. When he heard the Holy Spirit say, I'm sending you to India. You're talking to Doubting Thomas. No, he went to India. He didn't go there because he sent himself there. Holy Spirit sent him there. Now, think about that. How do you get from Israel to India? There's water. So you're going to go in a little boat. How long is that going to take? Only Jesus knows that. Now, when he gets there, when you think about that, what is he going to do? And one of the things that I think is so amazing, when he got there, and this is the picture, because I've been in this area since 1990, Kerala. Kerala is the southern part of India. And you'll see, when Thomas got there, look what happened in a short period of time. He absolutely started seven new church plants by himself. Those are the cities he started Christianity in. Now, I want you to think about something. How in the world do you do that? He said, well, Pastor Mark, it's no big deal. Well, it is a big deal. And number one, here's Thomas, I've been to the place where he came ashore. I've been to the very spot where he came ashore. You're in a boat, and you get off. Woo, that was a long three-week trip. Good. Here come these Indian people. They speak some dialect of Hindu. What does he speak? Jewish. How do you communicate? Think about that for a moment. How do you communicate? I speak a language, they speak a different language. Well, one answer could be power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Second is you take a burlesque court. You get your DVDs, put the burlitz on. Let's see if I can learn how to do this. No, we really don't know how. But there is something I read this week, which I thought was very interesting. There is a historical principle that there was already a Jewish sect in India, in that area. Now, they may have been there long enough to learn the language and help him. I don't really know. But, of course, they weren't believers in Jesus. They were Jewish at that point. So we don't know how he did this, but he planted those churches in India. Now, you say, well, why, Pastor Mark, do you believe it's actually true? Well, here's the main reason. In India, most of India is, of course, Non-Christian. In fact, it's worse today. They're trying to get rid of any religion other than Hindu. Modi, their prime minister, is trying to do that. And he's working very hard at that. But down in Kerala, the southern part of India, and I've been, like I told you, I've been going there for years and years and years, 18% of the population are born-again Christians. 18%. Now, that's 2,000 years later. Then it started. Did that just start by itself? No, I believe that Thomas was there. And as he planted those churches and those people happened, what happens to all of us? When we hear the gospel, we pass it on to who? A relative, a friend, somebody else. And here we are 2,000 years later. And it's 18, the highest percent of Christians in any place in India. Where did Thomas go? Kerala. That's why I believe it. Now, while he was there, of course, amazing things happened with God and the Holy Spirit. St. Thomas was killed by a lance that went right to his body in 72 AD. And he was entombed right here in this area. We don't know if it was all his body or what it was. But when you think about that, he went there in 50 or 52 and 72, short period of time. For your life, we don't know exactly how old he was. Did he do greater things? Yes, he did. Are those greater things still happening in Kerala today? Yes. Do you see how it passes on? That's what Jesus was saying. They will go to places I've never been. They will touch the hearts of people I've never seen with the same message that I'm giving them now. Thomas was no longer a doubter. He was excited about India, even if he has to be martyred, which he was for the sake of the gospel. How did he do that? He went beyond his ability. He went beyond the borders of Israel and was used in a greater way by God. Amen? When you look at that, that should challenge you. That's why I believe it's very possible. I can't say to you, absolutely certain, but I believe it's very possible. Last year, Linda and I were in India. We were in the northern India, Delhi. Hardly any Christians in that area. And I had the time of teaching three times to 200 pastors, Bible college students, so forth. And we ran into a man who was in the meeting. And I'd never heard of this before, but it was very powerful. He was a naked guru. Now, that comes to your mind, and you don't even want to go there. But by the way, I'm not showing you a picture in case you wondered. (laughs) I'm not stupid. Okay. So, a guru is very common in India, they're always there to answer people's questions. See, they don't have the Holy Spirit, they don't have God. Their gods are all dead gods. So they go to a guru. He doesn't know anything. It's all false. It doesn't work. And this sect of naked gurus is very common all over India. When you go and have a one-on-one with them, they're always naked. It was just bizarre. Totally bizarre. He knew nothing of Christianity. And one day, somebody gave him a tract. And he began reading the tract. Now, why would he read a tract from somebody? Because he knew... He didn't have any answers. And this person was bold enough to give him a track. And I met him. He was teaching at the meeting. And you know what he's doing today? He became a believer. Oh, by the way, in in our meeting, he was not the naked guru. He had a white gown on. (laughs) Praise God. And you know what he does today? He ministers to people, hundreds and hundreds of people all over India. The gospel of Jesus Christ. That's powerful. See, that's greater. When he came to Christ, was he saddened or excited? Excited. And when you heard him speak, it just challenged me like crazy. I mean, look at that background. God can change any person with a tract because the Holy Spirit ministered to his life. I met the guy. I saw the ministry that he was doing. Well, here's another picture. This is a picture of of course, me. And then uh, Matthew on the, on the left side of me. He is the, one of the ministers that's heading this Indian conference in the Harvest Crusade there. And this man right here with the placard. He could never read. And I was talking with my wife about it this morning. And I, I think she helped clarify it for me. Here's what happened. This man was not a believer. And somehow somebody got to him. And he became a believer. Now, it was hard for him because when he was in church, what do they do in church? (laughs) Hey, turn to this and read the Bible. He can never read it. He can't read. He's an older guy. Can't read. Never read in his life. Nothing. Had no idea. So he's kind of saying to God, God, you saved me. People tell me what happened, but I can't see it. I can't read it. I can't do nothing. So he just goes for a while. I don't remember the exact dates. And he thought that one day God came to him and said, get a Bible and open it. Now, if you were that guy, would you argue with God? You say, no, I would never argue with God. Come on. Okay, God, if I get a Bible, open it. What good is that going to do? I can't read. I've tried it. It doesn't work. So it goes for a period of time. Finally, he, he hears God say again, get a Bible and open it. So he gets a Bible and he opens it and you can just see this. And he said this, "Uh, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and the difference of all the nations. For the first time in his life, he's reading. He has never read before. Would anybody call that greater? You might not, this boy's calling it greater. And you know what's happened from that day on? He began to eat the Bible. He just read and read and read. By the way, today he can read anything. And you know what he's doing? He has a church on the edge of Pakistan, one of the most dangerous areas where India hits into Pakistan. His church is a thousand brand new believers. Now, would you say he was saddened by that? When I heard him, I went, that's unbelievable. Well, not with God, it isn't, obviously. But I met both of those people. A naked guru who has clothes on and he's teaching Jesus. A man that can't read is teaching from the word of God right in the church and thousands of people are coming to Christ. Amen. You see, when you see that, it, uh, you understand something very easily. But I want to calm you. We don't live in India. We don't live in another part of the world. We don't even live in Mims. We live <laughs> here in Brevard County in the Space Coast. How can we make a greater impact in our world? Well, I'm going to give you some answers to that very quickly. But I want you to understand something. God's been dealing with me. And one of the things that we do, it's not wrong, we always kind of look at, well, how can we have more people in our campuses? That's not bad, because more people usually becomes more believers. But I've been thinking, especially from across the world, I believe our question should not be, how can we expand the number of people in our churches? Our question, our focus should be this. How can we expand the kingdom of God around the world? We have many wonderful churches in our community. We get along with all kinds of people. I'm not talking about false teaching and all that kind of stuff. Of course not. But the kingdom of God. This guy is on the edge of Pakistan and India. And a thousand Christians are coming to the Lord. Is that expanding our church? No. Is it expanding the kingdom of God? Yes. Are we going to be together in heaven? Yes. So sometimes we need to forget the local church and focus on the kingdom of God. Now, at Calvary Chapel, we have five core values. I'm going to give you one. Here it is. Communicate the good news to everyone everywhere. See, we take the Great Commission seriously. That's why you're here. It doesn't have to be done in a foreign country. But we have to be focused on this. We shouldn't be satisfied. Well, Pastor Mike, man, man, the place is pretty full. Well, it's way more full outside our campuses than in. That's because those people are lost. They're clueless. They don't know. And that's why we're here, to communicate the good news to everyone everywhere. Now, when Jesus was here, He did something special. Let me read to you in Matthew. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. If you're a Christian today, you have a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But outside these doors... Or maybe you're not a believer yet. You're trying to do life without a shepherd. It doesn't work. It simply doesn't work. So what you see, Jesus saw people's needs. He looked into their eyes. He had compassion, sympathy, and mercy for them. How am I going to do that? For me to have mercy and compassion on people, I have to take my eyes off of myself. Because the person I look to all the time is me. To have compassion for you, I have to stop looking at me and look into your eyes. Amen? Here's what I want you to write down. Please, everybody write this down. And I want you to pray about that this week. Here's Jesus. We are the mouth, the hands, the heart, the eyes, and the feet of Jesus. And that's because we're commissioned to do greater things. Jesus was just one man. In the campus today, there's thousands of Jesus. We have to have his mouth. We have to share the gospel, his hands. We have to have his heart. It can't come because, well, I'm supposed to help these people. It comes from a heart, comes from a heart. And then take my eyes off of me and look at the hurting world. Last, where were the feet of Jesus always? In the marketplace of life. It's where you live. It's where I live. In that marketplace, thousands and thousands of people in the space coast, sheep without a shepherd, and they have no idea how to do life. That's why we're here. I want to give you, as I close, three keys. Very simple. Write it down. Number one. We must pray for greater influence. Every one of you that I'm speaking to are people of influence. You can impact the lives of believers and unbelievers, not because of you, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And so we must pray, God, help me invest my life in other people, even just to plant a seed. It doesn't matter. We must pray for greater influence. Thomas, when he went to India, what influence he had. Why? Not because of Thomas, because he was following the Holy Spirit to an area without borders. He just went out of his country. Number two, we must assume greater responsibilities. I didn't pass the ministry of Jesus to you, Jesus passed his ministry. Directly to you. That's not my role. He passed his ministry to me. But I'm no different than you. No man passes the ministry of Jesus to you. Jesus, your Savior, passed that ministry. That is a huge responsibility that I will answer for. What did I do for the kingdom of God? Seek the kingdom of God first. Number three, we must pray for greater opportunities. If there's anyone that wants open doors, it's the Holy Spirit. He loves to open doors for us. All kinds of ways, all unique, all special. And let's pray for the Holy Spirit to open new and greater opportunities. Why? This whole series is about this. People to meet, things to do, and places to go. That's why you're here. People to meet, things to do, and places to go. And we can't ever allow our smallness of God to keep us from stepping out and going and saying and doing what he asks us to do.
0: Today, Pastor Mark talked about being Jesus' mouth, hands, heart, eyes, and feet to those around you. He taught that it is impossible to carry out that role without the constant filling of the Holy Spirit. You learned that without that continuous refilling, there's no way for you to be a successful follower of Christ because you leak out and lose the influence of the Holy Spirit in your daily life. Well, this completes this portion of Pastor Mark's teaching, led by the Holy Spirit. Next time, he'll talk about how the Holy Spirit changes the life of the Christ follower. He will be focusing on the conversion experience of Saul, who the world knows as the Apostle Paul. He'll also talk about the challenges God made for the man Ananias' faith, who was used in Paul's life. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne.
1: In a hurry